welcome back to season two of Foresight, the CPA podcast. I'm your host, David McGuffin. It's so great to be back. This season, we'll be bringing you more of the great stories and insights about how the landscape is changing for CPAs. And we'll bring you even closer to your fellow CPAs, introducing you to professionals who are embracing the challenge. These are people who love to innovate. They're quick to embrace new technologies, and they seek out new ways of doing traditional activities. And here's an example. How about using a drone to conduct an audit? That's right, a drone, the kind that requires a pilot's license to operate. Later in this episode, we'll speak to one partner at EY who's taking innovation to the next level, literally. But first, if you're a mid-career CPA, you don't necessarily need to learn to fly to stay ahead. However, you may need to shift your mindset. One reason for that is the updated competency map for CPAs, which aims to produce a new kind of professional accountant. Irene Wysick was part of the team that created the new competency map. She's a professor of accounting at the University of Toronto. Irene, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, David. So describe for us the CPA of the future as you see it. Wow. Okay. So the, the CPA of the future would be future focused. So a little bit more looking forward, more looking at where we're going as opposed to where we have been in the past. Perhaps much of what CPAs do is looking at hindsight, auditing historical financial statements, doing tax returns. Um, doing budgets to actuals. Many CPAs, of course, do forward-looking things like wealth management, tax planning. But the CPA of the future is going to shift a little bit more towards the foresight. Less about hindsight, more about foresight. And of course, the CPA of the future will be tech savvy Mm -hmm. and have a systems mindset that will embrace the systems, the hyper-connectedness that surrounds us increasingly every day. So I'm just curious, how much of a threat are these new crops of CPAs coming in to, say, an older generation that's been around and has a very different kind of skill set or education set? Yeah, that's a good question. I think that's always been there. The young people coming in have got different kind of outlooks and different mindsets and different skill sets. I think, though, now it's it's bigger because this technology is not just, oh, here's a new tool. It is, it's a paradigm shift. It's a whole different way of thinking it, uh, about things. And, you know, if you say I'm going to go digital, well, literally you could think, okay, that just means me taking something paper-based and, and putting it into machine-readable form. Mm-hmm. But then if you want to digitalize something, your business, it's don't just try and, and use the technology to do exactly what you used to do when you were doing it manually. It's like rethink it. You don't need to just do exactly the same thing. You now have these powerful tools and this connectivity. So there's a better way to do it and you can streamline it. So then how does a mid-career CPA learn these new tools? There's so many opportunities to upskill. So if you're mid-career and you say, look, I want to do this, mm-hmm. there's nothing to stop you from doing that. Do it. Go and learn a little bit. Take a course. There's so much there that's available to to everybody. So I don't think there's any excuse, except if you if you don't have the growth mindset. You don't want to do it because that's the way you've always done it, and that's the way you want to continue doing it. That's the danger, I think. But if you say, 
know, you should get up every morning and, and really embrace what's new and what's on the table today, what's coming through your LinkedIn feed and, and embrace it and, and think about how you're going to go forward. And in the, in the competency map, we call that evergreen learning. It's sort of that curiosity. It's a thirst for knowledge and it's a commitment to continue to learn. And so, you know, where CPD is probably that third one, the commitment, mm-hmm. the first one, curiosity and a thirst for knowledge. Get up every day thirsty to say, what can I make better? How can I improve performance today? And that to me is going to be the big change. The challenge, however, is not just having the desire to do this sort of thing, but having the time. That's another risk for the mid-career is they're very busy. People are busy, so they don't have time to just sit and think about, oh, I want to be curious today. <laughs> they're like, I got a hundred things to do today and being curious is going to take up too much time. So it's a trade-off. But unless you have that curiosity, you will not have that potential to, to really reap significant gains as you go forward. So, so I think that evergreen mindset is critical. And I think maybe mid-career people have to think about how they do that themselves and then how they help their staff and their colleagues learn and be curious and, and embrace that thirst for knowledge. Do you set time aside every week? I mean, some companies who are for, you know, forward in this area are saying like every Friday, you have to at least spend one or two hours and we're going to give you that one or two hours. Mm-hmm. Or every month you get three days off to do a course. It's a significant investment, but the yeah. gains and the potential for gains are so great. So the company's got to buy into it. The company's got to say, we do think this is important and we're going to give you time to do that. Yeah. And reward you. So, so it is a little bit of a shift more towards an innovator's kind of environment where mm-hmm. curiosity in an innovation right. place would be. Irene, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Thanks, David. Irene Wysick is a professor at the University of Toronto. You heard Irene say the real danger for mid-career CPAs does not come so much from the next generation of CPAs. It comes from not having a growth mindset doing things the same way because that's the way you've always done it. That's definitely not how Andrew Morgan approaches his role at EY. Andrew is a partner in charge of data analytics for the financial services audit practice. He's also a member of EY's Audit Innovation Lab. You're about to hear why that's a good fit for him. So Andrew Morgan, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Great to be here. So one of the reasons we wanted to get you on here is because you do some pretty untraditional things when it comes to doing audits. And one of those untraditional things is the use of a drone. And I'm just wondering if you can explain to us how how that works. Yeah, certainly. So the idea to use a drone came to me while I was doing an inventory count, actually. I was uh, out in the parking lot counting vehicles for one of my clients. And as you can imagine, it's a big lot, lots of vehicles to count. And I figured there's got to be an easier way to do this. So sort of thinking around about a few different options, the first thing I actually tried was to do it using satellite photos. And you can actually go online and uh, there are are vendors that will sell you satellite photos of different parts of the earth at different points in time. And so we bought one of those quite recent, a recent one close to the balance sheet date. And we tried counting those from space, first of all. But the problem with that is that it's very grainy. You don't get the level of detail that you really uh, need to be able to see it. Uh, Mm -hmm. And also you have less control over exactly when the photo is taken. So after that one didn't work out, Then what we did is we decided to get a little bit closer to the vehicles and decided to do it by drone. So the first year we did it, I actually hired an external uh, drone pilot to do it. 
-hmm. and he came and flew his drone over the parking lot, took about 300 pictures and stitched them all together into one big picture. And then we were able to see the vehicles very clearly and uh, to complete the count that way. And then the second year we did it, during that year, I went out and got my own uh, drone license. So in, in Canada, first you get your basic drone license, you do an right. online test. And then after that, if you want to get your advanced drone license, you do another test and then you do an in-person test as well. So I got that. Uh, and then I also got my US drone license so I could cover lots down there. And so with that, I went back the next year and the firm bought a drone, flew with that and put that up in the air. And I, I sort of essentially repeated the same exercise, but doing it myself. So taking uh, the 300 pictures, stitching them together and uh, counting the vehicles that way. Fantastic. And so when you're using the drone, I mean, how do you know, for instance, all the vehicles are all functioning vehicles or that sort of thing? Yeah, it, it's a good point. The drone itself won't tell you whether the vehicle turns on. It won't tell you whether your client owns the vehicle, for example. So using the drone is only is just part of the audit. Good comfort that number of vehicles are in the lot, but you still have to go. Um, and we got uh, keys for 25 of the vehicles, got in them, made sure they turned on. We got looked at the VINs and got the title and registration to uh, confirm who owned it. So it, it, you're right. It's not like the whole audit is done uh, by drone, but it, it supplements and enhances some of the, the physical inspection components that are present in, in inventory counts. Mm -hmm. I mean, is there a way to quantify how much more efficient that is than what you were doing before? Or is... Yeah. In, in this case, there, there's an element of quality over efficiency. Mm -hmm. When you do an inventory count, you often only count a sample of them, uh, a vehicle. So it might be 25 or, or 50 vehicles that you do a count of. With a drone, you can count 1,000, 2,000. You could do 100 population mm -hmm. counts. So the, the biggest gain I see is in the quality of the execution of the audit procedures, as opposed to efficiency w when it comes to kind of this, like a vehicle count in particular. Mm -hmm. Have you used it? I mean, you're talking about cars. Have you used it for other kinds of inventory counts since then? Yeah. So, so we also then expanded into doing warehouse counts. And th this is one where maybe the efficiency uh, comes into play a little bit more. Uh, when you do a warehouse count, You'll often pick some from the inventory list that you want to find uh, on the shelf, and then you pick some from the shelf and uh, try to match them uh, to the sheet as well. And every time you pick one item, assuming it's not at ground level, which is the case in for a lot of the the samples, you sort of you find it, you find the aisle and you find the shelf. Uh, but then you have to call over the forklift truck. And because of safety considerations, they essentially have to shut down that aisle. You as the auditor move out of the aisle. As the forklift truck truck comes in, mm -hmm. you watch it reach up 10 meters or so to the shelf, pick your pallet off and bring it down. Then they open the aisle back up and you can go and inspect the pallet. So it can take something like three hours to just count 25 items, um, wow. assuming that you're constantly moving around a fairly large warehouse. When we did it with the drone, we were able uh, to count the 25 items in about 45 minutes. So it, it was uh, quite fast that way. And you didn't have the same sort of mechanics of having to shut down aisles and reopen them. And the advantage with this one is when we brought the drone up, you could really see the product from the drone itself. And we took pictures straight on and went, moved slightly to the right and slightly to the left so that we could see down the sides of the pallet and mm. took pictures along the top as well. And then we had to get close enough to get some of the barcodes in the pictures. So you can really do a lot of the inspection and look for dust, signs of obsolescence or mm -hmm. damage that you can do at ground level. Huh, interesting. I mean, these are all innovative uses of new technology. I'm just wondering, are there 
different kinds of tools that you're using to help you with audits as well? Yeah, another one we worked on. So we're going to do some drone work up at a, a mining uh, site. And, and a lot of the mining sites have these large extractions of ore that sit on the ground. Historically, we would typically rely on a surveyor to help us with measurements and then try to recalculate kind of the volume of, of cones and things like that. But we found we were actually able to do it just on an iPhone. The iPhone has many of the same kind of position data that can be attached to photos. So we ended up just took the, the phone, took enough pictures all the way around the pile and then measure the volume that way. Wow. That's amazing. So just your iPhone, your smartphone. Yep. Any, wow. That, that is really incredible. I mean, these are very novel approaches to a very traditional role as a CPA. Have you got pushback against using these sort of new innovative ways? <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's certainly, you know, whenever you try to change up the audit methodology, there's always a question of, is it sufficient? Are you covering off all the mm. risks? Are you, by not physically interacting with the inventory yourself, do you lose some of the assessment of quality or or items like that? And I think that's why, for example, with the vehicle count, we still had to do some additional procedures beyond just the account itself. So we get a little bit of pushback if people think we're just going to, if this is just going to be the only procedure, then there's a little bit of a resistance, but you augment it with some other procedures and mm -hmm. you can cover off all of your audit risks that way. So beyond drones, beyond the app, what other things are you playing with as you're working on your audits? Yeah. So I, I really like doing data visualization of data sets and quite often in our audits, we're getting these large data sets of whole populations rather than just samples. And I started off doing just software-based visualizations, so using uh, Tableau or Power BI or, or other sort of graphing tools to create dashboards and sort of slice and dice the data in uh, new and interesting ways, looking for outliers. But then expanded a bit further, bought a 3D printer a few years ago uh, and started playing around with that. And I realized that you can actually 3D print data as well. So there I, I created sort of a graph, essentially a physical graph of one of my clients' monthly P&Ls by segment. Yeah. And you lay it out in this kind of design software. You put a square base to it and a bunch of columns. And the, the height of the column uh, for the corresponding month and division shows the profit and loss for that division for the month. And so you, you get a real tangible sort of piece of the audit that you can look at from different angles, you can interact with. And it's, it's a lot more impactful than just seeing it on a screen when you actually uh, print it off of a, a 3D printer and look at it that way. Fantastic. And then I'm always a big believer in, uh, if you're trying to learn about new technology, you should apply it yourself first uh, in, in your own personal life and then apply it to clients. So as Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies were taking off, mm -hmm. I bought a, a cryptocurrency miner uh, online and brought it to my house, plugged it into my basement yeah. and started just mining a little bit of Bitcoin on the side. I joke that because of electricity prices, it was not a profitable enterprise, <laughs> not in Ontario, at least. And, oh, uh, Quebec, maybe. Yeah, yeah cheap, yep, it's possible. You got to find Quebec, cheap electricity. Yeah. That, that's the key yeah. to a, a profitable Bitcoin mining operation. <laughs> but by actually interacting with Bitcoin and, and trying to generate it yourself, you learn so much more about it than just uh, reading about it online or watching videos, because you, you have to problem solve it. You have to set it up. You have to figure out how do you get it to deposit into a wallet? What's a mining pool? How do you participate uh, in it? What's the yield? And then you run the economics and understand just how much electricity it's using up and the broader impact of some of those the side effects or uh, sort of externalities of Bitcoin mining. But that's really how I got into 
understanding that new technology as well. Again, it's kind of a personal interaction in your personal life, which then once you've figured it out, you can apply it professionally. Mm. And how do you use that in, in your work? So now I have clients that own Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. And so I audit them today and as part of my professional uh, life. Irene Wysek talked about the need for mid-career CPAs to have a growth mindset, a desire to learn new things, develop new skills, foster curiosity. You obviously do this. I mean, what's your secret? Well, you always want to be curious about new technology and emerging methods. It, it keeps the audit interesting, keeps your professional life interesting because you, you don't want to repeat the same procedures again and again for 30 or 40 years. And the new technology often has good ways to improve efficiency, provide clients with new insights, allow them to see their own data in a new light or from a new perspective. And so if you're always interested in how can you improve the process, I think that really drives a lot of the curiosity and exploration around new tools. Mm -hmm. So over the next decade or so, how important do you think it'll be for CPAs to have this sort of innovator mindset that we're talking about here? Oh, yeah, it's absolutely critical because the knowledge that you finish uh, university with will not be enough to carry you through your whole career. Every year, there's going to be uh, new technology and new uh, approaches being released. And so it's important to always stay on top of the developing technologies, learn how to operate them, experiment, test them out on clients and test data as well. See what works, see what doesn't work. Sometimes new products are you know, they're just too complicated or there's something that makes them a little bit difficult to use. But others work very well and you can either uh, cut hours or improve efficiency substantially on the audits. Fantastic. Well, thank you, Andrew. This was really, I mean, I think there's a lot of food for thought here. So I really appreciate you coming on. Well, great. Thank you very much for having me. Andrew Morgan is a partner at EY in Toronto. So if you're mid-career and you want to upgrade your skills, what's the first step? We put that question to Ashley Alvarez. She's CPA Canada's lead for program development. I think the first step is you would want to identify specifically uh, what you're wanting to work on. Are you wanting to become more efficient at ETL, extract, transform, load techniques? Do you want to implement robotic process automation in your organization? Are you looking to stay up to date on the latest tech trends and their impacts on the accounting function? There's a lot of crossover between these types of topics, but it's helpful to start with that specific item you're most interested in learning more about. The complementary resources are a really great place to start your learning. But if you're wanting to develop uh, something a bit more in-depth, we have webinars, workshops, e-learning courses, and online certificates as well. And where can CPAs find these resources? Yeah, so the website uh, sometimes can be a little tricky to, to navigate. And so we recently released something called the Learning Library, and it's a little bit more user-friendly. You can filter by a variety of different ways. Um, so I'd recommend going there. If you still can't find what you're looking for, uh, then I would reach out to our sales or customer service teams. They're really well-versed in all of our offerings and they can help make the appropriate recommendation. And what if CPAs are looking for something that isn't there? Is there a way to suggest topics? Yeah, again, you could contact sales or customer service and, and they would be able to identify the appropriate person, I think, depending on the topic of, of what the suggestion is. We more than welcome any suggestions. Ultimately, what we're trying to produce is for the membership. So if they are, have a need and they're not seeing their, that need met, then we want to try and, and bridge that gap. Ashley Alvarez. She's CPA Canada's lead for program development. And that's it for this episode of Foresight. If you're interested in upgrading your skills, we have links to resources in the show notes. 
This podcast is produced by Podcraft Productions. Please rate, review, and share this episode. It helps others find the podcast. I'm David McGuffin. I'll be back with our next episode in two weeks. Until then, thanks so much for listening. Please note the views expressed by our guests are theirs alone, and not necessarily the views of CPA Canada.